Thank you for joining us here on Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. You know, we've got Joe Bentley. Joe is, does an outstanding job for us. He's a frequent guest of ours, and he is, you know, the one of the portfolio managers for Advantas Capital, and just uh, he's a vice president. I mean, I need to give him the title that he deserves. Well, absolutely. And, give uh, Joe all the props he deserves. But <laughs> 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 Joe, welcome to the program, sir. Well, thank you for having me today. Well, let me ask you this. The biggest question is we see jobs claim, you know, the jobs rates come in a little lower than expected. But I'm more interested in what what you think that's quantitative easing has done. Why? I mean, it's ended. It's over, you know, and uh, I guess my thought is um, I thought the market was going to stop. I mean, everybody has told us, you know, I mean, I say everybody. No, that's not true. But the reality <laughs> is the media has said many, many, many times that uh, if we're not careful, that's going to be a problem. When quantitative easing ends, the market's going to struggle, and yet it's not doing that. What's your thoughts? Well, it uh, it, it clearly has added a little bit of volatility to the market. I agree. That's good. Yeah, I mean, if you simply you know, look at the mood swings that have been in the market here, uh, and you know, a lot of them were, you know, uh, coming uh, as we approach the end of quantitative easing here, and people were a little bit nervous here. But you know, from the middle of August to uh, early se- uh, mid September, you know, the markets were up six percent. We're all excited. You know, the the uh, tr- you know ten year Treasury up twenty five basis points. You know, the market's great. And then what happened? Then the S and P corrected uh, nine point four three, or you know, somewhere nine and a half percent. Nine and a half, yeah. Uh, you know, the 10-year Treasury went down. We were, all of a sudden, we're, we're nervous about, you know, uh, you know the end of, of, of uh, quantitative easing. We're, we're worried about global growth. We have a number of things. And then, but, you know, all of a, then, you know, what's our rally now from the bottom? About 10.5%. Mm. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of things going on here. I, I think I've got a little more gray hair here in the, in the last uh, <laughs> couple months. Well, uh, it, my partner here has no gray hair. He has no hair, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, this is hey, radio, that was always man. the joke. I looked like Brad Pitt before 2008, and Joe, I worried a little bit too and have zero hair left. Is that why you're on radio? That's, that's exactly why. why. <laughs> uh, exactly. You know, but I mean, I do know that that's, uh, it has created a little bit of a problem. But last night, I, I was in a meeting, and uh, Joe, this is a question that came up, and it, it was one of those things, you know, what do you think about Europe, and, and specifically Germany? And then what do you think about China? And then, of course, the reality is with this U.S. economy seem to be moving in the right direction and the world, the rest of the world, seem to be doing anything but moving. Are we beginning to decouple ourselves with the world? Are we kind of moving away from that? I mean, uh, I thought it was a great question last night, and that's why I wanted to ask you today. Well, I think what I've been focused on here is as I've looked at company earnings uh, here uh, in the last quarter – there's a big difference between the companies that are domestic-oriented versus global. Uh, you see much better strength that are coming out of companies that, uh, uh, that don't have that, that global orientation. Because when you look at Europe, uh, there's some strength there between uh, the U.K. and Germany, but the rest of it is, is really still in a, in a bit of decline. Uh, you see uh, what's happening in China, uh, where the slowing of growth still good, but you know it, it's slowing dramatically. Uh, look at what happened last week with uh, with Japan. You know, you wouldn't make uh, you know the, the you know that strength in their quantitative easing uh, 
that happened without uh, having some nervousness about what's going on in that economy. Uh, you need, uh, and so there's a lot of things that are uh, happening globally that just aren't uh, here domestically. And I think part of that is, is, is that the consumer feels pretty good about itself. Uh, you know, as we saw this morning, the jobs number was, uh, uh, remained pretty strong here. Unemployment has come down. People feel better about, uh, about their uh, employment situation. Uh, you look at uh, their housing. Uh, if you look at the CoreLogic Home Price Index at the end of, uh, of the quarter, uh, up 6.4% on a rolling 12-month basis. Not, not too bad. Uh, so uh, you know, when the consumer uh, feels good about his job, feels good about his, his wealth, uh, and the home is the biggest part of that, but you're also having some strength in the uh, the uh, equity markets that's also contributing to that. What happens? They go to the, they go to the malls. They spend. Absolutely. They have, to have a lot of fun uh, with that. And so, you know, when you look at the amount of the U.S. GDP that's dependent on consumption, uh, it was better than 60%. You're going to see uh, some strength here domestically that you're not going to be able to participate in uh, on, a, on a global uh, uh, market. Joe, I think that's a great point. And, and and one of the other questions that we always get a lot from clients is, is about the dollar. And, and, you know, that makes the headlines a lot, the strength of the dollar and, a source, of course, uh, you know, what that does to, to oil prices and is that's what's driven down the gas prices. Yeah, which I want to talk a little bit about that too. But, I mean, the reality is most everybody gets concerned if the dollar weakens. They would rather see the dollar strengthening. Uh, Joe, I mean, that's just really not what we want. And so help us understand that. Help our listeners grasp what we say, that the dollar needs to be, you know, obviously a strong dollar, but not so strong that nobody can buy our goods and services. Help us understand that thought process. Well, you know, part of it is is you know, we're moving, you know, in the, in the economy here a little bit, or the, the Fed is, uh, to being much more hawkish where at the same time the rest of the world is – is uh, becoming more dovish mm. uh, in in their uh, their monetary support, and so you know that sets up you know for some pretty str- pretty good strength of the U.S. dollar uh, here. But what that does becomes becomes a retardant of the uh, domestic economy because we're not uh, our our goods are are much more expensive as we export from here. Mm. You know we do have a nice benefit here. Uh, uh, with the uh, domestic economy, because the consumer and the strength of the consumer, uh, you know, the, when you have the U.S. dollar, you're buying foreign goods. Uh, that that dollar goes a long way. Long way, to, exactly. And and so I I think we have some uh, 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 some real strength uh, that that's building here domestically. Uh, but you know, I think you uh, when you look at the dollar, uh, that that could. Uh, just uh, you know, be a little bit of a wet blanket here on uh, overall. And Joe, I want you to back up just one second and explain something for our listeners. When you say that they are dovish or hawkish, tell us what that means. Well, it's it's uh, uh, expressed probably the most here in uh, when we talk about quantitative easing, right? What what we're doing uh, from uh, the central banks uh, that are happening, and and so when. Uh, you're doing things that are supportive of growth, or uh, or trying to pick up the strength of the economy. You know, uh, that's you know that's dovish, uh, and and then just the opposite uh, it becomes uh, hawkish. But uh, uh, when you look at relative uh, uh, currencies, 
uh, is uh, you know, when uh, the buying power, uh, the, the strength of the economy, all that goes into uh, what you're going to have in terms of relative uh, currencies. We could go on for hours on that one. But gotcha, yeah. right. Yeah. General, you were talking about the consumer. Uh, let me read you something that, I, that I've that i got about what's going on. You talked about lowering the gas prices, and I want to come back to you because I think there's some opportunities, and I think we want to talk about the energy infrastructure. But here's, the, you know, Keith, it's just uh, kind of a statistic that we looked at. It says the national average price of gasoline has dropped 31.5 cents per gallon from 1231.13 to 1031.13. Uh, 14. So now that's in the last, basically the nine, you know, 10 months. Right. Through the end of October. Through the end year, of October. Right. So it's gone from $3 and about 32 cents a gallon to down to an average of $3. I mean, in Memphis, we're buying gas here for $2.60. I mean, right. it's unbelievable. Unbelievably low. Since every one cent decrease in the price of gasoline, Joe, it says saves Americans about 3.69 billion. Million. Excuse me, million. I get that billion on my mind. Right. Million. The price decrease. But a day, of, every day. That's every day. 31.5 cent decrease, is what they're talking on averages, is equal to a daily savings for the consumer of $116 million. I didn't think about that. That's right. But that, those, that's, those that's. Pennies add up. Yeah, those <laughs> pennies add up. That's real money. I mean, that's you right. know, when you think about that, that's exactly, Joe, that's real money. It puts money back in our pockets, and we're out using that money to buy those things. So for the small business owner, I had talked to a guy yesterday about it. he's a small business owner, and he says, you know, you're telling me that the economy's improving, or this is improving, or that's going better. But he said, I don't feel that. Now, what would you say to the small business owner if he's not feeling it? What's going on? What's the problem there? Is it? Uh, I mean, is it something? Maybe his product is not being sold, or or what? Do you, what would? Why would it not have being affecting that small business owner? Well, you know, uh, one thing I do want to point out though is small businesses probably created more jobs uh, here recently. Uh, if you look at the ADP report that came out uh, this week, uh, their job uh, report. Uh, small businesses created 102,000 uh, jobs. Medium-sized businesses created 122,000 jobs, but large businesses only created 5,000 jobs. And so, you have you have some building strength here. I think when you look though at the impact of lower gasoline prices, it's probably more impactful to uh, the the lower. Uh, uh, earnings uh, or the, the strata of, of, of the consumer that uh, doesn't earn as much money uh, because every, you know, every uh, dime savings on, on gasoline is, is more important to them. Whereas, uh, you know, uh, folks that are making a lot more money, it, it, it isn't as impactful to a spending decision. And, you know, frankly, when you look at uh, retail sales in the United States, it's, uh, it's one of these 2080 uh, things where, you know, the highest uh, paid uh, ha- are much more impactful on uh, retail sales. Right. And so it's a uh, – so, you know, uh, maybe the, the perspective of, of fear is, is much more of, of that market that uh, this person is serving. Well, that's uh, what so I told I, him too, Joe. And I think also that, this, you know, sometimes uh, as real estate seems to be moving – but it's not it's not as robust as say maybe car buying. We've seen some enormous amount of car buying going on this year. We've so, averaged over sixteen million years. Right. I think it's been like a lot of pent up demand, yeah. right? Pent up demand, and and that's kind of what. Talk a little bit about energy for me. The uh, the master limited partnerships. We see that a lot, and 
give me some insight. Right, we talked about oil prices from the standpoint of a strong dollar, strong but what dollar, about you know the you supply? Know, what is it? <clears throat> supply, supply and demand. What's what do you think there? The infrastructure, the whole gamut. We got about three minutes. Well, we're uh, we're really uh, changing how uh, we uh, we uh, we bring. Uh, oil, natural gas, uh, and natural gas liquids out of the ground here in the States. This shale rev- revolution is real, and it is going to be a low cost of energy uh, that uh, will uh, have legs here for many, many years uh, in the United States. What uh, is happening is as these fields are being developed, the infrastructure is also uh, being built out to move that product to the, the markets. You know, we've just gotten through earnings season here, and I continually to be am amazed at the billions of dollars that uh, these companies, every, almost every company, uh, these larger companies, are talking about billions of dollars of, of investments that they're making in pipelines and storage facilities and processing facilities and other things uh, that are going to set us up again for low-cost energy in the United States for a long period of time. You look at the differentials uh, today uh, of, of, say, natural gas versus here in Japan uh, and in Europe, you know, we're probably half to a third of the cost of natural gas. That's why you're seeing the growth in manufacturing come back to the states is, is that we have some, some of the lowest cost energy in the world, and that's going to continue to help us grow. You know, that's a critical thing, and, you know, I appreciate what you said. Let me remind our listeners, Joe Betley, of course, is the vice president and portfolio manager for Advantage Capital, a frequent guest of ours, and does a wonderful job in giving us some insight. But, Joe, I've got to make sure that I tell everybody this, that this is what we've been talking about is an assessment of the market environment at a specific point of time, and it's not intended to be a forecast of future events, nor a guarantee of future events, and the information should not be relied upon to if anybody for re, for research or investment advice regarding any particular stock or thing or what we've been talking about. And of course, I've also got to say that uh, we're not recommending anything to buy or you know over the program. And past performance is not. Indicative. <laughs> Just simply one man's opinion. <laughs> Just strictly one man's opinion. But, you know, I, what I appreciate, though, it is a very educated opinion. And I thank you so much for being a part of the program today. As always... You know, Keith, just just a few guests that you just come back into. And oh, Joe's always got some great insights for us. Joe's always got some great insight. And I think really what he's been able to tell us is uh, things are looking not too bad. I mean, we're, we're moving along. And, and what I want our listeners to understand is Joe is an expert. Joe yeah. is in this every day. Every Joe day. is doing this as, you know, this is his business. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you, man. All right. Oh, you by guys the way, have a great day. Yeah, and did, enjoy did you... the polar vortex coming your way. But <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. Did you guys get any snow? Not yet, ah. not yet. But I, uh, my son in Wisconsin uh, said that they had gotten some snow already. Ah, so it's coming your way, maybe. Yes. All right. Have hey, Joe, stay weekend. warm, and thank thanks you, a sir. lot. Thank you. I want to thank Joe Betley, who did a great job on our show today. Landon Mills, Art Frederick, our program director. Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator. Eleanor Moskovitz and Katie Brashear, our production assistants. Finally, last but not least, our compliance officer, Jeff Long. I'm Keith Quinn. And I'm Jim Shoemaker. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money. Jim 
Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.